I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today, the extended version of Inside Sources. Uh, I do want to get a correction. Thanks to one of our texters. Uh, I think I slipped in a John Glenn <laughs> reference in there. I was looking at a picture of a, a lot of the different astronauts uh, when I should have said Neil Armstrong. So thanks to our uh, texter for keeping me honest and keeping me on track there. Appreciate that. And you can always chime in on the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500 as long as it's safe because safety first. That's the rule. All right. Quick update from Washington, D.C. Currently on the floor of the House of Representatives, a little bit of chaos going on there. Uh, You've actually had Representative Doug Collins, a Republican, uh, has filed a motion or made a request that Speaker Pelosi's words uh, be stricken from the record. Uh, And he's doing that based on uh, the rules of decorum, uh, which is... (laughs) Which is a really an odd thing to be uh, having a debate about when we're having a debate about condemning the president's words that clearly had no decorum. Uh, so that's what's happening right now. So that has derailed. I don't know if that's going to delay the ultimate vote uh, on the uh, condemnation of the president's remarks. And uh, it appears that uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, said in response to Representative Collins uh, Collins that she had cleared the text of her remarks uh, with the parliamentarian. Is that right, Kylie? Is that our word? I think that's the right phrasing there. So the parliamentarian had cleared the speech uh, that it was within decorum of the House. Uh, So anyway, it looks like there will actually be a vote, a possible vote on that, uh, striking her words from the record, Uh, which again, I think this is all a real interesting uh, circular motion that's not going to take us anywhere that really matters as we uh, drive towards the end of the day. All right. As promised, I wanted to pick up uh, with some some great insight from one of my favorite people, Arthur Brooks, a uh, great friend of the state of Utah, uh, recently got an honorary degree and spoke at uh, graduation at Brigham Young University, uh, author of numerous books, uh, has been the uh, president of AEI, American Enterprise Institute, for almost a decade and will be stepping down uh, to go to Harvard uh, here in September Uh, But he recently published an article uh, in uh, The Atlantic talking about uh, what happens as we age in our profession and what we ought to be thinking about, what we ought to be doing to maximize our impact and maximize our happiness. Uh, Here's kind of a tee up from Arthur Brooks. Been on this sort of four-year personal quest to understand why so many people of accomplishment who are my age, you know, early mid fifties or a little bit later, they tend to feel feel so frustrated. You know, they work so hard, they've accomplished a lot, but they start to see certain parts of their their skills starting to slip, and, and they don't know what to do. They kind of go into a panic, and and so I went on this. I'm a social scientist, and, and this was weird, like taking out my own appendix as a surgeon or something. But <laughs> but I decided to actually use the best tools, look at the best science, the best brain science and survey data to figure out how people can design the back half of their life to actually get happier even as they're in some sort of professional decline or their skills start to slip. And I think I found the answer. 
Okay, so that's uh, Arthur Brooks again talking about what happens as we start to decline professionally. Maybe we're not quite as sharp as we used to be, may have lost a half step, so to speak. Uh, but I also think it's interesting that Arthur is talking about this idea that even people of great accomplishment uh, are not really finding happiness as they move into their late 40s, into their early and mid 50s, uh, when really they should be at the top of their game and the maximum point of impact. Uh, so let's drill down on that a little bit. Uh, this is more uh, Arthur Brooks uh, and a, uh, a recently published thing on uh, peak performance and professional decline. Here's what he had to say. People have a tendency to rage against the sense of decline, and it's nothing. That's a big mistake. It's it's simply a matter of change. You need to kind of get onto a new success curve. You have to go from thinking of yourself as an innovator to one as a teacher, to use all the stuff that you've learned to pass on wisdom. And people who do that, they become much happier and much more successful all the way through their 80s. The second part is that people have a tendency to want to add more stuff to their life to feel more successful. After 50, every year you should have a reverse bucket list no, of all this. the things you're going to take out and throw away so you can help find yourself who's the deep joe inside that block of marble if you do yeah. that boy you're gonna get happier and happier <laughs> okay so that's uh uh i think kylie cut this uh, piece just for me today so <laughs> arthur's saying there as we move forward in our careers that we should have a reverse bucket list that rather than doing the natural tendency as we get into our late 40s and 50s, and that is to add more things to what we're trying to do and accomplish, we should actually scale it back and we should actually do less and become more focused uh, on the the ultimate impact that we're trying to have. I also love this idea from Arthur about uh, transitioning in your career from being the innovator, the producer to really becoming more of the teacher and the mentor. Uh, and that, uh, I think there's, one, I think there's great satisfaction when you move into that space where you can share some knowledge or some wisdom or insight, experience. Uh, that's priceless in an organization today. Uh, and people who are willing to do it, it's amazing to me how few people are willing to take the time to coach a younger colleague or to take time speaking to uh, to young people just out of college or still in college for that matter uh, and imparting some of that wisdom and insight, not in a, hey, you know, it was a lot harder when I was a kid or it was, you know, we walked to school uphill both ways in the snow and, you know, not that kind of stuff, but real, you know, real innovative thinking, uh, not innovative producing which you tend to do in your younger days in your career, uh, to getting to where you, you can really help amplify other people. Uh, I believe it was uh, Coach John Wooden uh, who said, if you really want to leave an impact, uh, teach someone else to be a leader. And that's, to me, the ultimate task. But again, so often in our business and our politics today, we play it as a zero-sum game. And so even if we're aging out, we're worried about hanging on. And how many people do we have in business and in politics who just can't let go of power, can't let go of the fame, can't let go of the notoriety, uh, and they're unwilling to share it with anyone else? But but to me, that's the real test. It, anybody can just do it. But can you teach it? Can you create a culture in an organization that's actually making things happen? Again, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, do something that makes a difference. There's a pattern to this thing. Uh, let me get one more uh, thought in from uh, 
our, our good friend Arthur Brooks, uh, talking about ideas and what he calls fluid intelligence, really kind of getting into that sculpture that's hidden inside the big rock uh, that most of us call our career. What you find is the people who are in creative professions or idea professions, they tend to think, well, I can go on and on. I can go on until the wheels come off. And that's actually not true because there's a, uh, there's a, a concept called fluid intelligence, which is analytic processing. It's, it's innovative capacity. And that tends to peak uh, in one's early 30s and then tends to decline after that. But there's another kind of intelligence, crystallized intelligence, which is based on your stock, what you know, all the stuff that you can synthesize. And that starts to increase through your 50s and 60s and stays high in your 70s and 80s. So what you want to do is be an innovator early on and then actually start to, to teach your ideas, to synthesize, to share your ideas later on, to think of yourself more as an instructor and less as an innovator. And that's really one of the great secrets, as well as taking away all the dross. The metaphor that I really like is that the first half of your life is, life is kind of like filling up a canvas, a beautiful painting, more and more brush strokes. The second half, you're more like a sculpture. You chip away the, the, the sculpture to find out what's actually truly within you. But if you don't start jettisoning stuff and positions and, and, and all the attachments and even un, and relationships that are unproductive, you're going to be distracted from your true self. Uh, and near the end of your life, you're going to be more frustrated. You're going to be less happy than you should be. All right. That's uh, Arthur Brooks. And uh, I love the analogy he uses there of, you know, early in your career, you're, you're more like a painter. So you're adding brush strokes, you're adding color and dimension and uh, perspective to so many different things. But later in your career, you need to be more like a sculptor and you need to get rid of things, get thing, get all of the things that are not essential. If you haven't read the book, Essentialism, uh, great book, great way to really refocus and reprioritize. Uh, and again, I love this concept of the reverse bucket list. Yes, we need to have a bucket list in terms of the things we want to do. But again, we need to make sure we have a reverse bucket list of the things we want to get rid of the things we need to move out so that we can focus on the things that actually matter most. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the uh, 1 o'clock hour here. We're going to come back for one more hour, an extended edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, the opinion editor at the Deseret News. We appreciate you joining us on Inside Sources today uh, and look forward to one more hour. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about your kids, teens and anxiety, mental health, and how do we actually get to those big things that we can accomplish? We'll be right back.